What's going on, everybody? This is Heath and Steven here with Tillman's Corner Sports Talk. How you doing, Steven? I'm doing pretty good, buddy. It's our second episode, so we're looking to uh, progress over last week's episode. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can do that for everybody listening tonight and then um, later on. We appreciate that. We got a lot to talk about. We'll be talking some, you know, college football with – Coaching changes, transfer stuff, the NIL with these players getting paid, and then SEC expansion. Uh, obviously, we'll be talking about some Alabama football, um, and we'll finish it off strong with talking about some Alabama basketball, um, specifically about the games this past week between uh, or with Vanderbilt and South Carolina. Um, but before we get into that, we want to give some shout-outs to a couple – or not just a couple, but all the listeners that caught our last episode – yeah, so we had a lot of listeners. Uh, we were shocked, and we really yeah. appreciated it a lot. Uh, we had listeners from eight states, which is pretty awesome. And uh, we had – I'm going to shout them out. We had people from New York, Maryland, Florida, Mississippi, North Carolina, of course, Alabama, and Louisiana. I think I got all of them. hope I didn't miss anybody. I think so. Um, and, like, you know, if we – if you want to reach out to us, whether you private message us or something, uh, we'd like to know who's listening, especially in Louisiana, because Heath and I were talking. We don't know of any family that we have in Louisiana. If we do and forgot about you, we apologize. Um, but uh, I can't think of who in, who in Louisiana would be, would be listening, but we definitely appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate everybody taking time out of their busy day to give us a listen, and hopefully you enjoyed and hopefully you learned something. I know my buddy John, he learned that Alabama beat Gonzaga, who's the number one team in the country. And we also had a listener. She she commented on one of my things on Facebook. Her name's Suge. A lot of people in Mobile probably know her. She used to work at the Steak and Shake, and uh, after softball games, we'd go there, and she would serve us. She was friends with my wife, and uh, they did driver's ed together, and they used to go get food. But I'm not going to say what school they went to because I don't want to get them in trouble or nothing. But she was actually telling me that uh, Auburn's – Bass fishing team is ranked number two in the country, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I um, I didn't know colleges had fishing teams or bass fishing teams or whatever. Um, obviously, people do it, you know, professionally in tournaments and they get sponsors and all that. But I didn't know it was a. Uh, I don't know if it's a new sport, if it's been a while, you know, out in colleges for a while or, or what. I had I, I had no idea to be honest. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I looked up the rankings and because I was just curious. And there's a lot of small schools. I know Auburn's in it. There's a couple SEC teams. I think I see Texas A&M's in it and uh, let's see, maybe LSU and Tennessee. But there's small schools like the University of Montevallo. Uh, looks like McKenzie University and Adrian College and stuff like that. It's crazy. I don't see Alabama on here. You'd think they'd be up there doing something, but – well, no, you know, they got to uh, focus out. on more important sports, you know, like winning and competing for national championships in football. So, <laughs> yeah. There you go. I like that little shot right there. Absolutely. But I wanted to give her a shout-out and tell her, hey, we appreciate that little knowledge she dropped on us. Thank you for that. Anybody else listening, if you want to drop some knowledge on us, some fun little tidbits, hey, we'll definitely try our best to include them, include them on the show. So, you know, let us know. Yeah, and so the hot topics this week, we're going to do a little segment each week where we talk about what's happening in sports. And the hot topic this week pretty much was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron oh, Rodgers, he's a, he's an interesting fellow. Uh, he posted on Instagram. He made a long post. A lot of people was thinking, you know, what does this post mean? Is he going to retire? Does he want to request a trade? 
Uh, is he coming back to the Packers? But he basically said this post was about being thankful. Yeah, it's – I mean, because I, I, I read the post, and I can't remember all the pictures. I think he had pictures of, you know, the wide, some, some wide receivers, I want to say, maybe um, – the quarterbacks, I think, maybe something. He was just saying how thankful he were, how he was, for the players and coaches, and then some other, you know, people in his personal life, and and all this stuff. And of course, you know, people in the media, like you know, kind of like us, we got to have something to talk about. So everybody wants to read into it on what it means, and oh, this definitely means he's 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 saying goodbye. He's leaving. He's getting traded. He's out you know, all this, and pretty much according to him. He was on the Pat McAfee show and was like, no, it was just about being thankful. Um, so, who knows? Only I think only he knows. He, he might not even know, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, there's no telling if he knows. He's But he did say the reason he posted that is because he took – he called it a Pancha Karma detox. And, of course, me being – he told me I had no clue what that was. And apparently it's just uh, – it's some kind of therapy to remove the toxins in your body. And apparently yeah. it's like forced vomiting, uh, forced diarrhea, some kind of blood ritual, a bunch of weird stuff that I don't think I would ever do in my life. But, hey, it works for Aaron Rodgers. It must be good. Yeah, I, you know, we, we talked about it. Or we'd never heard of it. And I, you know, tried to Google and find different things about it and kind of, yeah, like what you said, it's like, you know, it's a, I mean, it really is a cleanse. It's not like, I don't know if it has to do, I think maybe like a meditation is in there somewhere or something possibly. Uh, but yeah, he's like pretty much sitting there throwing up and having diarrhea <laughs> for yeah. however long. I don't know if it was a week or 12 days or whatever it was. Yeah. I think, it, I think I heard, I saw where it was like two weeks. He went and lived in a tent or something. So, well, that's cool for Aaron Rodgers, but, Let's get to our first topic. Let's talk about college football, and we're going to start off with the NIL. Do you think it's good for college football, Stephen? I think – so anybody listening, maybe you don't know what the NIL is. It was just um, made, I guess you would say, legal this this past uh, this past year. And basically all it is is college players, whether they're football players or anything, can um, can be paid – for their name, image, and likeness. So that's what the NIL stands for, name, image, and likeness. So anywhere, like if, I don't know, they want to sell pictures of themselves or do advertisements or, or you know, they get people to sponsor them, um, they get paid. And, I, I mean, I can – I think you can make an argument either way because on one side of the fence, people are like, oh, well, they're going to college for free. They're getting, full, for, you know, a uh, full ride – playing football and so they get a free education and that'll last them that'll do you know last them way longer than a football career probably so they don't need to get paid so there's that argument but then there's also you can make an argument saying well these universities and you know whatever conference it might be or or um overall ncaa or whatever is making millions and millions of dollars you know from these players and you know, if 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 they you know go maybe not now obviously because of the the rules, but back in you know just a few years ago, if they say, hey, I want a national championship, I want to sell my ring. I don't know why you'd want to, but there has been people that have tried to do that. I want to sell my ring. 
while still in college or sell my jersey or my whatever, then they would get punished for that. So I think you can definitely make a case either way. Yeah, I'm pretty much kind of what you said. I think you can make a case either way. It's 50-50, you know. I understand where people are talking about it's taking the, you know, it's kind of making it more like professional football in a certain degree. But I also think both sides, I mean, these institutions are making millions of dollars off these kids. I saw where when Johnny Manziel was at Texas A&M, he didn't get paid anything a court, you know. He probably got under the table, but you know what I'm saying? He didn't actually get paid anything. But apparently Texas A&M, they made like, I don't, I don't want to misquote, but it was somewhere like $700 million off of Johnny Manziel and winning the Heisman and everything, which is crazy. And I think that these kids should get some kind of money. But also saying that, I'm under the, you know, understanding, which I would like them to do. There has to be – if you're getting paid, there has to be some kind of contract, right? I don't think you are a student athlete anymore. You're an employee, right? Yeah. And I think they should have to sign some kind of contract because – so, Quinn Ewers, he went to Ohio State. He was supposed to be a senior this year in high school. But somebody from Ohio State paid him a million dollars to forgo his senior season and go to Ohio State as a freshman. So, he went to Ohio State as a freshman, got a million dollars. Of course, guess what? why, would, next why year, wouldn't he take that deal? Why wouldn't he? All right. I mean, anybody would do it. The next year, what he do? He left, and now he's the quarterback, starting quarterback at Texas. So, yeah. I – so now that person's probably really mad because the kid didn't even play at Ohio State. They just took he just took their million dollars and then you know walked out the door. So there's to me there's two sides to it. If you're gonna do it, I think there has to be some kind of stipulation and something in place where these guys are like signing a contract right? and that you just yeah. can't bail out of the contract in, unless you pay some kind of consequences. Right, and I mean look at it from the aspect of obviously, you know if you follow college football at all and. A lot of a lot was made. There was rumors, and I don't know how much substance it has that Texas A and M, you know, paid thirty million dollars <laughs> to get their recruiting class through NIL deals. Um, not, I don't know if that's accurate. I mean, I w- it wouldn't surprise me because what's to keep? I mean, it's it's legal now. Yeah, they know, got a lot of against money. the rules. So what's to keep coaches and or whether it's I'm not saying Texas A and M did this, but just in general, what's to keep coaches and these boosters and you know all these people saying hey if you come to my college i'll sign you to this nil deal and it's pretty much they're pay, you know paying for people to go um but it also i think it hurts a lot of colleges because you know there's not a lot of colleges they can't afford the money that you know a lot of these these schools have yeah and and back to that it just you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, good for the kids, all that. But a lot is made about these coaches, right? And it kind of goes into kind of what we're talking about next is about, you know, coaches leaving and coaches going to different schools, right? And that brings in a ton. I mean, it brings in the transfers and everything. And so oh, yeah. a lot of people are under the mindset of, okay, so these coaches, let's just throw out a name, Lincoln Riley. So Lincoln Riley can recruit all these kids to come to uh, Norman, Oklahoma. And he can recruit them, sit, go to their home, be like, hey, mom, let me take your son. Great football player. But then the very next, could be four months, six months later, he's like, oh, yeah, hey, I want to go. I'm going to USC now, right? So, bye. Your kid, I, everything I just told your kid is whatever. So, and he did. That's exactly what happened. He went to USC. But guess what? With the new transfer rule they got where pretty much any kid can just transfer, right? Oh, yeah. And he can just go wherever. And so that that's pretty much what happens. 
and it, there was a lot of coaching turnover this year. I'm just going to hit a quick few names, and then you can comment about what you think about the hires and stuff. Like Lincoln Riley, he went to USC. He left Oklahoma. Mario Cristobal, he left Oregon and went to Miami, which I think is a great hire. Brian Kelly left Notre Dame, and he went to LSU, which uh, Notre Dame hired Marcus Freeman, their defense coordinator, which I think could be the – the it's a slept-on hire, but I think it could be a really great hire for Notre Dame. Billy oh, yeah. Napier – he left Louisiana Lafayette and went to the University of Florida. And Brett Venables, a lot of people know him. He was a long-term defensive coordinator at Clemson. He left Clemson and went back to Oklahoma where he was the defensive coordinator once. And so what do you think about these coaches leaving? What do you think about the hires? you think they're good hires? What do you think about it? Yeah, they uh, um, obviously there was more coaches around the country. But as far as like the big name, you know, that you hear about and all this stuff um, – I mean, you know, it, it's hard to say. Obviously, we can say, oh, yes, yeah, is a good hire based off a of track record. But um, a few of these guys, that are, you know, like Billy Napier, everybody says that's a great hire. Um, not, obviously, time will tell. I think it's a great hire, but obviously time will tell. Uh, Brent Venables, um, to my knowledge, I don't know if he's been a head coach, you know, before, not at a major um, – D1 no, school. I, I, don't, I don't know if he ever has been. I don't coach. think. Um, and it, it's actually kind of crazy that he hung around Clemson as long as he did. So I don't know. He must have just been waiting for what he thought was the perfect opportunity. Um, and he should. You know, he shouldn't have, you know, nobody has to force him to leave or go uh, take a head coaching job he didn't want to. So he kind of, you know, just waited and waited and waited. And I guess he, he felt really good about Oklahoma. Um, it's funny because Lincoln Riley, I want to say, you know, they, they specifically asked him. Are you because there was all this noise about um, LSU? Oh, he's going to LSU. There's rumor he's he's interested in LSU and all this stuff, and nobody was really saying much about USC. And the reporters even asked him, pretty much, "Are you going to LSU?" No, I am not going to LSU. And then, like maybe the next day or two, Lincoln Riley leaves to go to USC. So he didn't lie. <laughs> right. He he didn't lie about the LSU. And speaking of LSU, I know. Uh, Two guys that are huge LSU fans. I'm not going to say their name. but uh, And I asked them, I said, because I knew we were going to be talking about this topic, I asked them, I said, what do you think about the LSU hire of Brian Kelly? Because I knew a lot of people were on the fence. And this is what this guy told me. He said he's not sure how he, felt about, how he feels about it, honestly. He said it could be a good thing or a bad thing. He said he really wanted LSU to go get uh, Dave Aranda back, from, who was LSU's defensive coordinator when they won the championship with Joe Burrow. And yeah. this guy told me that. And the other guy asked, he said this pretty much the same thing about he wanted Dave Aranda from uh, LSU. So, you know, these hires, you never know how they're going to go. And speaking of Lincoln Riley, you know, there's a lot of speculation. Uh, the reason he wanted to leave Oklahoma and, you know, to me, I thought he was going to go to LSU because LSU, they could be an absolute powerhouse. They got so much talent each year. But a lot of people speculate he just didn't want to be in the SEC and he didn't want to go up against – I guess Bama, Georgia, A and M, and all of them every year. Yeah, I, I, I see that. <laughs> I, right, I don't blame him. So what he did was smart, and it's it's talking about what we were talking about with the NIL deals and the in the transfers and everything. So what he did, he said, "Hey, I'm leaving Oklahoma, and I'm taking my young star freshman quarterback Caleb Williams with me to USC." And he took a bunch of people from USC, and that brings us to talking about you know these these transfers and kids just leaving and stuff. You know, what's your, what's your thinking about the transfers, and do you think it's good for college football that it's basically like free agency? And, uh, yeah, what are you thinking about it? I think – I don't know. I don't want to give the same 
response as I did toward the NIL, but it kind of, I can, you know, it's kind of the same response. You, you can see an argument both ways, right? You can see, well, these coaches can just up and leave with nothing, you know. No consequences. No consequences, really. Um, and But the players, they – now, I guess, you know, it's a little different. This, these, these coaches, maybe, I guess that's their livelihood. Um, it's kind of like with any job. Nobody's really going to um, – you know, in our, in my job, your job, whoever's job, you know, nobody, I would, shouldn't hold it against you for wanting, you know, better and doing what you feel is a better opportunity. Um, but, you know, I, I like it that they give the, you know, kids, what is it, one free year that you don't have to sit out? Yeah, um, one time to transfer. Yeah. One time transfer, you don't have to sit out. But then it's also like, you get a lot, and we see it at Alabama, obviously, because we follow them like crazy. These kids, five stars coming in, you know, from high school, thinking they're going to take over the world, um, that they're going to, you know, come in and just be all American and and then starting. And then what happens? They sit the bench all year, <laughs> and then after one season, okay, I'm leaving. And so in certain situations, yeah, you know, sometimes it's better. Like I'll, I use example, Jalen Hurts and Tua. So Jalen hung around um, for a year after Tua, you know, he got the starting job. Um, and he, I think he, he got better. And then for his senior year, uh, he left, which he should have, you know. Um, he, he, he should have left, and I'm glad he left. I, I don't know anybody that would say that they hold it against them because I certainly don't. Um, but I think he came by sticking it out for a year and getting better and, and competing and all this stuff. He became not just a better football player, but, you know, it's going to be better for him in life in general in the long run that he's not – I hate saying scared of that one's, you know, um, competition or hard times or whatever, you know, adversity comes your way that, if you transfer, then you're scared because I don't I don't mean it like that, but um, I think it does say a lot for in a lot of situations, guys sticking it out um, and not just being upset because oh, I'm a five star or whatever. Why ain't I? Well, I'm not I'm not playing right you know right away. So yeah, yeah. You use the Jalen Hurts and two uh, uh, like comparison about Jalen Hurts and you know a lot of people don't know Matt Jones. He was on that roster too. He came yep. in with Tua, and yep. he stayed. He stayed behind Jalen. He stayed behind Tua, mm-hmm. and he let he matured. He got better at his craft, and then when it was his time to start that one year, he absolutely exploded. Won the national championship, turned into a top fifteen pick in the NFL draft, and now he's leading the franchise. But I'm kind of with you about on the transfer situation. It's kind of the same. Uh, it's kind of like I said earlier about these coaches. They go into these kids' homes. And they, you know, they're like, they sell the kids, you know, come to the school, love you, I'll do this kid, I'll make your kid a first-round pick. I'll take care of you, yeah. I'll do this, I'll take care of him, I'll be a father figure to him. And then a couple months later, they either get fired or they just leave, right? And so, in one hand, I'm like, well, man, that's not fair to the kid, you know. The next coach coming in could be running, you know, the wing tee offense when this kid's a quarterback and he wants to be running the spread. So, in that circumstances I understand but then sometimes like you were saying some kids just don't want to stick it out and that's easy for me to say stick it out I'm just a fan right I'm not there every day working my butt off to try to be better and better and 
So sometimes it works out for these kids that do stick it out. Like, like you said, like Jalen Hurst worked out for him. He's leading the NFL franchise. Like Mac Jones worked out for him. And sometimes it doesn't work out for these kids. Some of these kids never get to play and they just get a college education and they have to go on with their life. But so, you know, I can see it either way. I, it doesn't bother me really, you know, it helps Alabama some. It hurts Alabama yeah. some. So it's really fifty fifty to me. It, yeah, it doesn't really. The only time I would like I mentioned that it bothers me is whenever you have these guys uh, coming into Alabama, coming into LSU, coming into you know wherever, and they're highly ranked, and they think they're going to take over the world in their first year and be you know a household name, winning the Heisman, and all this stuff, and they don't get their way, and they're like, okay, well I'm just going. to leave now and, and you know one one year in they're like okay i'm done because i'm not starting or getting a lot of playing time um that's i would say that's probably the only time i'm like yeah you need to stick it out and see <laughs> you know uh, and better yourself and become a better football player and a better person overall right sometimes it helps you just stick it out and grind through it and hopefully you come out better in the end but the last thing that uh we're gonna hit on talking about this college football is Auburn. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on, what was going on with Coach uh, Brian Harsons. He's had a lot of coaches leave, like Derek Mason, who was his defensive coordinator. He left and went to Oklahoma State to be their defensive coordinator and took a pay cut. It was a a lateral move. I mean, it was not even a lateral move because he took a pay cut to go to a Big 12 team, which doesn't make any sense. And his offensive coordinator that he hired at the end of this season, I I think his name is Davis Webb. I'm not 100%, but I know it's something Webb, I think. But he was coming from Seattle Seahawks to be their offensive coordinator, and he I left. Think, with I it. think it was you at the Davis part. I want to say it was Austin Davis. Uh, you're you're absolutely right. Austin Davis was his name. He was coming from the Seattle Seahawks to Auburn to be their offensive coordinator, and he left. I want to say a couple weeks. He said he wanted to spend more time with his family and stuff. You know, a lot of these coaches that come from the NFL, they don't realize how much of a grind it is to have to go to these kids' house for recruiting and all that. It's just a total different ball game. NFL, yeah. but I, you wonder, you know, it makes you. There's all these reports, and so it's kind of hard to, you know, know what to believe. And reports about Brian Harson that you know he's, I don't know, he doesn't care that much about his players. And then you hear other reports that oh, he's he's some of them just can't handle tough love or something like that. So I don't know. There's all this stuff that comes out and. Of course, you have everybody. Everybody's an expert and a source. You know, you hear, oh, my sources say this, my sources say that. And some of the stuff is like, man, you and I could get paid, be paid a lot of money yeah, to we just could come be up with this stuff. Because <laughs> um, it's like, I mean, <laughs> some of these guys are reporting, I guarantee you, you know, this was weeks ago, I guarantee you by this time next week, Brian Harson will not be the head coach of the Auburn football team. It's not happening. There's no way around it. He's fired, blah, blah, blah. And no, he's still there, and he's going to be there at least one more year. I mean, I, I, now if they have another horrible year, he might be gone. But at least one more year. Yeah, you never know. You know, you hear things like the boosters are not happy with him. You hear some people and players saying that he's mean to them. You know, he's tough on them, and he talks to them. You know, whatever kind of way. And some people say he. He's just not ready for SEC football. I know he came from Boise State, which is a really good, you know, mid-level college football program. But he came to the SEC, which is a total different level. But, I mean, I think you got to give the guy a chance. I mean, I don't know how you can hire somebody and then in one season you fire the guy unless you were just hiring him 
because you didn't get who you want, who you wanted last year. So you just hired him, and he's kind of your scapegoat that you're trying to get around. Right. Well, they already said they're going to stick with him for at least another year. And like you said, if he has a bad year, they'll he's probably going to be fired if they have a bad year. Huh. But you know how it goes with the Auburn coaches. If they beat Bama once every other year, they're going to yeah. keep their job. They could lose, you know, almost all their games. And if they beat Bama, then, then he's the best coach in the world. But I think that might have been what happened as far as you saying, you know, with the boosters and some of the people not wanting him hired. Because I, I want to say the – uh, was it the athletic director that was that hired him? That was his last year there, or something. Like that was one of his last hires. Or um, um, so basically, like you know, and of course, like we we talked about all these reports that say, oh, the bo- the boosters and a lot of the the higher ups or whoever didn't really want him. So now they're trying to figure out how to get rid of him, and you don't know what to believe. So yeah, it's who knows. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. It's and I, well, I'm an Alabama fan. I hope they don't get it together. But for my Auburn yeah. fans who are listening, for y'all's sake, I hope they get their act together. But I know who does have their act together. The other big school in the state, Alabama football. That's Alabama right. had some huge transfers come in this year. Uh, Jermaine Burton, Eli Ricks, and Jamar Gibbs. What you think about these guys? I think it's going to be huge. Um, you know. As we've seen uh, last year, Saban, you know, he doesn't get like, you know, five, six, seven, eight, whatever transfers coming in, but he pretty much hand selects who he wants. And, you know, you're not, if you're transferring to Alabama and they want you, you're not coming in to really offer depth. Um, you're coming in to start for the most part. Yeah. Uh, we saw it last year with Henry Toa Toa, and then obviously Williams, um, Williams, yeah. Jameson Williams, Jamo. Um, it's just it's man, it's crazy. We talked about it throughout the last season that you know obviously Ohio State was stacked at receiver, but the fact that he, you know, they couldn't. I, I don't know. They couldn't figure out how to use him. Couldn't get him or whatever it was. Didn't hardly do anything at Ohio State. Comes to Alabama, and then he's like one of the best receivers, if not the best, in the nation. Um, so, you know, we saw with them, you know, these receivers, obviously Alabama lost Jamison Williams, John Mechie and, um, Slade Bolden at receiver. Um, and then a backup Javon Baker, he transferred. So that's your three starters and then one reserve guy. Um, so, you know, Jermaine Burton coming in from Georgia. Um, I think he dealt with some injuries there. So he never, I want to say he never had a complete full season um but everything you read about and watching highlights and stuff i don't know if he's the same speedster as jameson williams but he's you know he's got some bursts he's got some deep ball ability um so i think it's a good pickup and then obviously eli ricks you know he'll be i expect him to come in and hold down one of the corner positions and then um but the other guy you don't you know you kind of maybe had to google or or Look up stuff about was Gibbs and is it Jameer Jamar? Uh, Jameer, I guess. Jameer Gibbs out of the running back out of Georgia Tech. Um, you know, you know, you watch highlights and talk, hear about him and, and read stuff about him, and they say he's kind of an all around back, not very big. I think maybe five nine, five ten. Um, he might even be shorter than that, but not a big guy, but 
Uh, got some speed, quickness, can run, can catch, can kind of um, can kind of do it all. Yeah, I I think you hit the nail on the head with the transfers. Uh, I think Gibbs is the home run of this transfer class, I, but I think all three of the guys are going to be huge contributors for the upcoming year for Bama. I just think they're really good, and like you said with Saban, I mean, if he gets you to transfer to Bama, it's probably for good reason. They probably need you to fill a need. And hopefully you're going to really contribute. And I'm going to skip to some of my note, but talking about, you know, when we're talking about these transfers coming in, you know, Saban, he used to hate the whole, you know, transfer portal and everything. But I wrote down a quote, and I I really love this quote. And a lot of people say it, but I was going to use it for Nate Oates because he made me mad when they played against Vanderbilt. But I'm going to say it right now about Saban. It says, uh, some coaches would rather lose their way than win another person's way basically saying like you know some coaches they're like i hate the transfer portal i'm not doing it so guess what they don't pick up no transfers but basically saving's like hey you know what if they're gonna make it legal and everybody's doing it i'm gonna do it but i'm gonna do it better like some coaches you know whatever they're like hey my game plan is i'm gonna run the ball 50 times and i hope you can stop it and they'd rather lose running the ball 50 times than win throwing it 50 times it just makes no sense but that to me that's what makes Saban great him and Bill Belichick they do this better than anybody they they change every year they're always they adapt they adapt adapt to the situation right they're warping with the times but I just went off a little rabbit trail there but no that's a good point It, it kind of you know talking about how they adapt it makes me think also of you know a few years ago when everybody started these RPOs and and offensive linemen were running downfield and they weren't calling it and, and all this stuff. And Saban was against it because it, 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 it was years ago, so I can't remember. He was, you know, it can make the defense tired, which can also lead to injuries and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, you, if you got offensive linemen running downfield, linebackers, it's just hard for the defense and or, or whatever. And he's, and then obviously he didn't win because they, they changed the rules, tweaked the rules and stuff to where it benefits the RPO. He's like, all right, well, I can't change it. So, what am I going to do? I'm going to start. We're going to start running RPOs, and it's hard enough to stop Alabama when you, you know, they don't have it. Then when they start doing all these RPOs and offensive linemen running downfield, and they come up and pass it, um, he's like, all right. So then we'll do it. We'll do it even better than you. <laughs> Absolutely, I, dude. I, I love that. I love your point right there. Uh, like you said, he used to hate the hurry up offense. He used to Saban used to be, you know. We're going to ground and pound you. Hey, we may score 20 points, but we're going to hold you to 10. And then, you know, other teams adapted. So, he said, you know what? I'm going to get a quarterback that can chunk the ball downfield, and we're going to put up 50 points a game, and you're not going to be able to stop us. Granted, we may give up 20-something points instead of 10 points like we used to, but guess what? The result's the same, and the win is a win. And so, and talking about Bama, what players coming back do you think is going to have the biggest impact on uh, next year's team and going forward? Oh man! Well, I, I'm, let me mention the transfer that I think might have. So, as far as the transfers, I'm going to go. Now, all these guys are great. I'm going to say Jermaine Burton will have the biggest impact, only because obviously Eli Ricks. You know, he'll lock down a side. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, he's going to be great. Um, I just think at wide receiver, Alabama doesn't have any proven. Um, receivers whereas at at running back you know they have um 
Um, Rodell Williams, who played, you know, really well before he got injured. Jace McClellan, who played really well before he got injured. Uh, Trace Sanders, I mean, he played, you know, good in his time. Um, I don't even, I don't think he was 100% healthy last year either. But so you have, you know, three guys at running back coming back that I think, you know, have some experience and, and you know that, okay, they, you know, they can do a good job. They can hold it down. Whereas a receiver, you, you know, we don't really know. We know obviously there's talent. I mean, but, we don't know what we have at receivers. So I think Jermaine Burton will, I think he'll have the biggest impact of the transfers. Yeah. I think you make a good point. I think Alabama needs Jermaine Burton to be the best transfer, because like you said, we don't have any guys that are proven at receiver no more. They all went to the draft, but I think it, personal opinion is going to be Gibbs. I've watched some highlights on the guy and the guy is a, he's a great uh, third down running back. He can catch the ball out of the backfield and make a man miss. And he's a home run hitter. But I think Jermaine Burton, like you said, I hope the guy's a deep threat. I hope he really shows a lot. I hope he can stay healthy. And Eli Ricks, he's coming into a secondary that we got a lot of guys back. Uh, we got Jordan Battle back. Uh, Hellams is coming back. So we got a lot of guys coming back. And I think he's going to slide and start at corner. And yeah. either, let's see, Kool-Aid's going to start at the other corner or Jackson's going to start at the other corner. So, But I do think Eli Ricks. And then talking about some of the players coming back, I saw a stat uh, – this is an insane stat. I actually sent it to you. Uh, I saw Will Anderson, the beast uh, defensive flouse linebacker, pass rush extraordinaire from Alabama. Will Anderson leads all edge defenders with 141 pressures over the last three seasons. But the scary part is he's only played two seasons. Can you even wrap your head around that? That's uh, – man, that's <laughs> – 141 pressures – more than any other defender, any other edge defender over three seasons, but he's only played two seasons. I mean, that's that's, that's honestly man boys. He, I don't want to get into it too much, but the fact that he didn't get invited to the Heisman ceremony, obviously Bryce was going to win. That was a no brainer. But the fact that Will didn't get invited at least, um, yeah, they whoever. Did. Whoever whoever made the decision not to have him come, not not taking anything away from Aiden Hutchinson because he's a great player, but I mean Will Anderson was better than him in every category. I'm pretty sure tackles, tackle for loss, pressures, sacks. Um, so I, I, the only thing, the only reason I could see them not inviting him is them saying we don't want two Alabama guys there. Um, but I mean, if he's one of the best players in the country, then it's like, who cares if he's if it's two players from one team. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's a monster. Um, I think, obviously, he still has one more year, and he'll be a, you know, Lord willing, he doesn't get injured or anything. Um, he'll be a top five pick. I think he could honestly – I mean, think about all the great players Alabama's had under Nick Saban, defenders, you know, linebackers, defensive linemen, corners, safeties. I think, honestly, and um, I don't think this is too crazy of a take – I think he could be the best defender ever under Nick Saban at Alabama, just as far as all he can do and how dominant he is. No, yeah, I don't I don't think that's a crazy take at all. I actually agree with you. And it's more than just what he does on the field. It's the intangibles. You know, everybody that 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 reports on Alabama last year reported that Will Anderson was the leader of that team. It wasn't the quarterback. It wasn't anybody. It was Will Anderson. 
especially of that defense. He was the heart and soul. The guy gives it 100%. He never takes a play off. And I think that's what separates him is his his desire, his hunger. He wants to hit the quarterback every single play. And not yeah. just pass rush like, like a lot of big-time pass rushers, but he's great in the run game. You know, he can stand up an offensive lineman, he can shed the block, and he can make the tackle. He's really the whole package. And I'm really excited to see him as a junior, him and Dallas Turner coming off the edges, just destroying opposing teams' quarterbacks. And and honestly, you can make the argument, and this might even be a more bold, uh, bolder of a take than the last one. You could make the argument, I I would say, now I'm not saying I maybe agree with it 100%, but I think there's an argument to be made that Will Anderson is more important than Bryce Young. Um, that might be kind of crazy, but I think he's, I, I honestly believe that he's that good because we saw in some games last year that were close games, you know, LSU game, um, Auburn game, this game, that game, that, you know, if the defense doesn't make a stop at a certain point and that, you know, Will Anderson, he's just like, it's like, he's like, okay, I need to make a play. So let me go make one. Um, and you know, if it wasn't for him, I'll, I really believe if it wasn't for him, Alabama would have lost a couple more games last year. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't know if I agree with. If let me, I don't know if this is gonna make sense to you, but I think Will Anderson is better than Bryce Young. I think he's better at his position than Bryce Young is at his position. But I think Alabama needs Bryce Young more because I don't know who's behind Bryce Young. Uh, Paul Tyson transferred. Uh, maybe it's. Uh, God, what's that guy's name? Jalen Milrow. Jalen Milrow, right. He's unproven. Ty Simpson's coming in. You don't know anything about him. And I think uh, they got some guys behind Will Anderson. I think that they definitely wouldn't do as good as job, but they may be serviceable. But I think Bryce Young is probably more important. Now, That's in the true. NFL, Will Anderson 100% because oh, yeah. I think That's he's going to be – He's yeah, going to be like an I said, MVP. I I'm not saying I, I believe that he's better than Bryce Young, but I think any, I think you can make an argument. Oh, clearly. Uh, um. So, well, especially after last year's offensive line, Bryce, we needed somebody that could have some, you know, um, poise and <laughs> kind of moving around the pocket, making some plays with his legs. Uh, especially behind that uh, matador of an offensive who a lot of times just didn't like to block whoever was in front of him. I don't know so, if – I, I, kind of going back to the NIL, I don't know if they were jealous of Bryce getting almost a million dollars in NIL deals. They was like, "Hey, we're gonna let this Joker get hit a few times." <laughs> they should. He, oh, they should be taking care of the guy. He's gonna try. He's gonna get them drafted. I really believe that. But uh, is there any other players you want to talk about on the football team, or do you? I mean, let's talk a, a little bit about the. I mean, we just mentioned them, so we got to bring them up. Offensive line, obviously, Evan Neal gone. Um, the other corner, um, I'm, it's, it's skipping my mind. What was uh, not the other corner? The right tackle. Um, Owens, Chris Owens? Yeah, Chris Owens, absolutely, Chris Owens. Um, so, Chris Owens and then Evan Neal. So, both tackles gone. Evan Neal was a huge loss. Uh, Owens, not so much. Um, so, they have, you know, the three guys in the middle coming back. So, that'll be good to bring some, you know, kind of stability and, and at least some uh, chemistry from last year. But then the guys they have. I'm I'm gonna say probably maybe J.C. Latham will hold down one of the tackle spots, um, and then who knows on the other one? Maybe uh, maybe George. I know I know George played a little bit this year. Uh, yeah, I hope he improves a lot because this past year wasn't his best year. He got Bryce hit a lot. 
but that's probably maybe him, maybe one of the uh, one of the twins, I, Brock Brockman or something. They're two twins. Maybe one of them will slide over and be the right tackle. Yeah, and J.C. Latham, of course, at left tackle. But we'll see. We'll uh, we'll for sure see. I'm I'm excited also to see Latou to see his development because uh, this is only the what his third year maybe playing tight end. Yeah, I think it's his. He's a he's a, a senior, senior but year. it's his it's his third year, right? Because he started at outside linebacker when he came to Bama and they switched him over to tight end. Um, so I think so he right. you know he had some good moments last year, um, and then he had some bad moments, drops and as you know drops all together throughout the season, but then that one drop that comes to mind in the national championship. But um, I, I think, you know, he could be a really, really good um, good player for sure. Yeah, and I hope uh, – I'm excited to see uh, spring practice, A-Day. Of course, the A-Day game, we're not going to be able to watch spring practice. But I'm excited to hear how the guys are gelling and who's stepping up at uh, receiver and the offense and everything. But it's really exciting. It's an exciting time to be an Alabama sports fan for one because of what the basketball team's doing and then the football team. I think they got a lot of talent coming back that's going to really propel them next year. Uh, oh, big news that I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget that we talked about right before um, uh, we started the show is the the news out of Alabama that Matt – I guess it's Ray you pronounce it, Matt Ray. Um, one of uh, – there's two of them, but one of the strength and conditioning guys that's in charge of, like, the science behind it all and all the, you know, that cool stuff is leaving Alabama for the Saints only uh, after only two seasons at Alabama. Yeah, uh, let's see. Matt Ray, he's the director of sports science at Alabama. He's going to the Saints, but there's two of them. But his buddy, the director of sports performance, David – Baloo, I probably butchered that, but David Baloo, he's going to stay at Alabama, which is big for Bama. Yeah. I hate to see Matt uh, Matt Rue go because I think he brought a lot of he was he brought a lot of technology and he was more into the health and that's a big loss for Alabama for sure. Yeah, for sure. But uh. Do you want to – let's break down Alabama basketball. Let's do this. Yeah, uh, man, has a lot to break down. Uh, some good news. Let's start off the good news. Before, well, I mean, it's good news because they won both games, but there's a lot to talk about those games. Uh, some good news before we get into the games. Noah Gurley, the, he's a power forward, you know, 6'9", I want to say, 220, 230, maybe 240 pounds. Um, he transferred from Furman, and this was his first season in Alabama. He announced that even though he's a senior because of, you know, the COVID rules and eligibility and all that stuff, he can come back for um, for one more year. And he'll be back next year. I think it's a good return. Uh, it's a good – I don't want to say pickup because, you know, he's not coming from somewhere else, but a good um, – um, really good for Alabama that he's coming back. Not because, you know, he wasn't some superstar this year, but – uh, he, he got better down the stretch. I think he got better defensively. He got better rebounding. He got better in the paint. And then he can also, you know, he can step outside and there is the threat of him shooting the three. Um, so I think it's good. You know, he'll also offer some veteran leadership next year. Uh, so we'll see. I think it's a um, – I'm, I'm glad he's coming back. Yeah, I'm excited that he's coming back, obviously. I think him and I think Betty Yako, the seven-foot center, the freshman this year, I think him coming back, having another year of them working together, I think they complement each other really well. Yeah. I, 
it's really hard. Like when you're watching the game, Nate Oates, he changes his starting lineup pretty much every game. So it's hard to know like who's starting. But Noah Gurley, he's pretty much, I mean, if he's not starting, he's your sixth man coming off the bench. He's your first big guy coming off the bench. So I yeah. think it's really big. And we're gonna talk about let's I mean, let's just get right into it. Talk about the Vandy game, the Wednesday night game or last Wednesday night. They played Vandy. They won 74-72. Dude, man, this game had me livid. Vandy's not a good team. The reason I, I thought of that quote was not because of Nick Saban. It was because of Nate Oates. And I just have wrote down, I love Nate Oates, and I know a lot of Alabama basketball fans like Nate Oates too. And I really do like the guy. I think he's going to do – he's doing well at Alabama. But yeah. to me, he's just stubborn. And that's why I wrote down the quote about Coach Drip would rather lose their way than win, you know, somebody else's way. He's all about shooting threes. That's all he wants to do is shooting threes and getting to the basket. And the reason I really say that is because of his infatuation with J.D. Davidson. I like the guy, but for some reason, Nate Oates wants him to be the point guard. And he put – against Vandy in particular, he put uh, Javon Quinterly on the bench because he said Quinterly wasn't playing defense. But to me, Quinterly is what makes your offense great. Yeah. Because he's the best ball handler they got. He's the best passer they got. He's the best guy getting to the basket they got. Off so he dribble. basically yep. he dribbles, he facilitates everything. JD Davidson, <laughs> he's a freshman, right? So to me, instead of having him off the ball, Nate Oates wants him to play point guard. And to me, if the pressure ramps up, the guy he has a tendency to turn the ball over and he can't shoot. So it's just a it makes no sense. Maybe you can explain it to me why he loves Davidson so much. The only, I mean, he's more—he's definitely more athletic than Quinterly, but that doesn't matter if he can't, you know, score, score. Because, <laughs> you know, we talked about last last episode, is that you watch some games with JD Davison, and you see it, you're like, that kid's gonna be a star. And I'm, I'm not saying he's not gonna be a star, but you're like, man, oh yeah, he's finally putting it together. He's finally figuring it out. And then you watch three, four games in a row, and you're like, what happened? Um, he just – again, he's only a freshman, so it's not like he's been there for a while. Um, freshman, uh, definitely got to get his shot better. Um, he, he's He just turns the ball over way too much. I, th- I want to say he leads – or maybe he's tied with Quinterly for the lead, but he also plays – less minutes so he plays fewer minutes per game than Quinterly but yet he tie, he's tied with Quinterly for turnovers um and then even when he does get inside you know he, you see him drive the lane it's like he'll go up in the air and get caught in the air it's like oh wait I don't want to shoot this so then he'll like try to pass it out sometimes it'll work a lot of times he gets stolen because he tries to throw it across his body back out to the, somebody at the three-point line so they can, you know, shoot a three and miss it because they're only making like 28% of their threes this season. Um, it's just – it's without Quinterly on the court, their offense doesn't consistently, you know, score isn't, – isn't consistently good without, without Javon out there. Um, but, you know, overall, because the game before this is when – Oates came out and was talking about, if you're not going to play defense, do not play him. And they came out against Vandy. I thought you know, it wasn't, the defense wasn't great. I thought intensity was was good. I thought aggressiveness was good, maybe a little too aggressive there toward the end. But I think overall, 
intensity and aggressiveness was good. Um, offense was, eh, you know, it was all right. wasn't great. Um, they were below their season average in points, but but hey, they found a way to win, and that's what matters. Yeah, that's all that matters. They found a way to win, and you're talking about the comments Nate Oates made that we hit on last week about if you're not playing defense, you know, that's all fine and well. But I have wrote down that uh, they started the game off with 13 minutes left. They were down in the first half, which they played seven minutes. They were down 13 to five. So, yeah, they were playing pretty good defense. But, I mean, what's the good of playing good defense if you're only going to score five points in seven minutes, right? That doesn't make any sense. And then they sub quarterly in and they score six points in a, less than a minute, you know? So oh, yeah. that's why I I think quarterly is the – what do you say? The straw that stirs the drink. You know, yeah. I think he's what makes them good. If quarterly is good, I think Bama has a chance to make a deep run in uh, March Madness. If Quinterly's bad, they're going to get beat in the first round. And that's just – Oh, it'll, it'll definitely all run to him. Yeah. It definitely all runs to him. He's by far – it's not even close. He's their best offensive player. Um, now, he met, I think – I want to say Shackelford leads the team in points per game, but a lot of that has to do with Quinterly opening opening up, you know, his three-point shots for him. <laughs> uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Shackelford's a sniper. He can sit there at the three-point line and, and you know, go off. But Quinterly can beat you off the dri- – he can shoot. He can beat you off the dribble. He can drive in. He can pass. You know, he 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 is no no question, not even close, the best offensive player on the team. Yeah, I think uh, anybody that's listening, they can tell that me and Steve were we're huge uh, Quinterly fans. I know we both really hope that he returns next year. I know he's a senior, but I hope he comes back with his COVID year. And okay. talking about senior, Bama had their senior night. They played South Carolina and beat the brakes off of them. They did. Well, you know. They, Beat the brakes off in the first half, Alabama. You know that that game I think was like the perfect. If you wanted to say, watch this game and you'll see how the season has gone, then you would you would know because I mean talk about inconsistent. So first off, they start off their starting lineup, which I thought was cool. I liked it that they started off with two seniors that don't play a whole lot. You know they mop up duty maybe. Um, um, and, and got in there, got some minutes, which I thought was cool. But uh, so, so Alabama won ninety to seventy one. By you know they won by nineteen points. Alabama scored fifty points in the first half. Fifty had fifty points at halftime. They had a twenty three point lead at halftime. Okay. So it maybe if you're not an Alabama fan, you're like, okay, I'm not watching this anymore. That's that clearly a, a a W. Then you get to the second half, they scored only ten points in the first ten minutes of the second half. Yeah, that's embarrassing. I mean, I'll that's just you make a lot of good points. It it's mind blowing. I was actually watching my brother's game. Uh, he plays baseball, and I was just keeping up with it on my phone. And they were up by 50, and after the game, I was like, well, at, at the end of his game, he came out. I was like, dude, Bama's beating uh, – they have 50 at halftime. They're, they're destroying South Carolina by 23. And then I'm coming home, and you text me, wow, this is embarrassing. And I'm like, what is he talking about? And I saw that South Carolina went on like a 27-5 run, which is unheard of. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. But – 
Soccer, not soccer line, Alabama, they finally they got their act together and pulled away to win by 19. Yeah. I think I, I want to say South Carolina, Alabama led by 23 at half. I think South Carolina pulled within six or eight. Um, it was something nuts. Definitely too close, way closer than it should have been. Um, but yeah, I, I, they pulled away at the end. Um, they closed out strong. They didn't, we didn't mention this, they didn't close out strong against Vandy. Um, I think, you know, we talked about their intensity and aggressiveness was good in that game, but it was a little too aggressive at the end because they kept fouling and giving Vandy some free, you know, points at the free throw line. But um, overall, you know, they got the win, played good against South Carolina. You know, I'm happy that they they won that, obviously. Got a couple games left, so we'll see how that pans out. Yeah, at least they got two wins in a row. They got a couple games, A&M and LSU. I hope, hopefully, they can win both those games to improve improve their uh, NCAA projection. And I think they're pretty set. It. I saw. I think I saw something in the SEC tournament that they're pretty locked as the fifth seed in the yeah. SEC tournament. So I don't really know if they're if winning those games or losing will help. But I know it'll help their confidence if they can, of course, win both of those games. And they got one at home against A and M, and their last game of the season is at LSU, which I think could be huge games. And then. Of course. So you got next week they're playing too, and then the next week is the SEC tournament where hopefully I hope they can do some magic. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if they'll win it. Obviously, you know they can. I mean, any given night, like we said last week, they can beat anybody in the country. But then they can also lose to you know a team like Georgia that was the worst SEC team and didn't even have an SEC win when Alabama lost to them. Um, so, we'll see. I don't, and I think – I want to say I looked it up today, and Joe Lenardi has, is predicting Alabama to be a fifth seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, and So, maybe they can make a run in the SEC tournament and also get to the get to March Madness and, and um, have some, uh, you know, madness happen for them. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think uh, honestly, I think a good a hope for Alabama basketball fans is that in the SEC tournament they can get to the semifinals, which means the top four because the SEC is loaded. You got Arkansas, top Kentucky, top ten. You got Tennessee, who's like thirteen. You got Arkansas, who's really good, and then LSU is a really good team. So there's a lot of good teams that you're going to have to beat to win the SEC tournament. So I don't really think it's going to happen. Hopefully they get to the top four. And like you said, Joe Lenardi, Joe Lenardi, excuse me, has Bama predicted as the fifth seed, which if you keep up March Madness a lot, that's normally a good seed to get upset by the 12th seed. Yep. It normally happens a lot if you're filling out your bracket. But hopefully, like I said, hopefully Quinterly's on. Hopefully this team can pick up some wins back-to-back. And hopefully they can make a deep run in the tournament. Man, yeah, it'd be. I mean, it'd be a great time for Davidson to have it all figured out and to, you know, kind of. And again, he doesn't have to be Superman. You know, it's not like he has to come out and score with thirty points. Just slow down, make your passes, make your reads. You know, run the play. You know, just don't turn the ball over. I mean, that's pretty much. If if he could not turn the ball over as much, you know, it's. I think it would make his game a whole lot better, that's for sure, because it just seems like a lot of times he gets in a rush and he's, like, high pace and running and all this stuff, and he just, like, kind of loses control of what he's doing. Yeah, like you said, hopefully they're all clicking on all cylinders. You got Ellis, Shackelford, Quinterly, Davison, Gurley, uh, Betty Ako. You got so many guys. Hopefully they're all kicking on all cylinders. 
and Nate Oates has a good game plan. But I think that's pretty much it, man. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a uh, – I didn't realize we talked for almost an hour, to be honest. <laughs> that's some fun <laughs> stuff. Uh, I definitely enjoy it. But, hey, um, for everybody out there, hopefully – yeah, if you're listening up until this point, we definitely appreciate it. We uh, thank you. So, no, we appreciate it. I, we're really excited. We're really passionate about this. We love talking sports. So, hopefully, you learned something. And really, like we said earlier uh, in the podcast, uh, let us know if you have any questions. If you want us to talk about anything, particularly if you have any good comments or whatever, if you think right. it's terrible. Just let us know, but uh, yeah, like you like you said, I do want to. You already mentioned it, but just kind of hit 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 on it again because some of the talking points tonight were from people that listened to the first episode and was like, "Oh, this would be cool if y'all talked about uh, this and that and that." And um, so, yeah, I mean, we we definitely. I mean, we're not going to turn down suggestions on what we should talk about because we're always, you know, we're texting and trying to figure out what we're going to talk about. Um, so, if you have anything you want us to hit on or mention or or anything like that, just uh, shoot us a, a text if you have our number or private message on you know Facebook or whatever, and uh, we'll try to get it in the show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we enjoyed everybody. We hope everybody enjoys it. Uh, and we'll be back on next week. Be Make sure to look for us. Give us a follow when you listen to the podcast. Give us a follow so as soon as we put it on, it'll let you know that it's on so you can go listen to it. And like you said, we really appreciate it. Uh, This is something we love and we hope other people as well.